Good evening, everybody. Um, so my name is Emma, as has already been said, um, and I moved to Sheffield about a year and a half ago now from being overseas, um, and I've been part of STC ever since. Um, so when I was asked to preach um, tonight, after an initial freak out, um, <laughs> I actually got excited um, to share with you, um, and I get to share about one of my favorite topics, um, which is God's heart for the marginalized. Um, and tonight I was asked to share on the Father's heart of compassion. So for those of you who were here, this is round two of church today. Um, I didn't actually realize, but the, the other person who preached also chose this passage. I think we both went rogue and didn't know that that was happening. So for those of you who have um, here for round two, I think God's clearly trying to say something. <laughs> um, and for those of you who weren't here this morning, yeah, my heart and prayer is that there's no feedback um, and that God would really meet with you. Um, I'm really praying that the Holy Spirit would move in each and everyone's heart and that he stirs something afresh in you. It is my absolute belief that every person here today is made by a loving God. In Psalms, he talks about knitting us together in our mother's wombs. He has designed you, he has created you, and you have purpose. In the New Testament, it talks about the church as a body, and that we are all many parts but have different functions. This is both on like a large scale and on a small scale. As in, STC is part of the international every tribe and tongue church of Christ. And we all look different and have different functions. But also on a, on a smaller scale, on this scale, <laughs> we all have different functions and different parts. And we all have part, a part to play within, this bo within his body. Do you know what part you have to play? I feel a real expectation tonight that God would stir up within us something new or refresh something old. So I would just, yeah, I would really love everyone to just take a minute to just pray and ask God to do something in your heart. So today I am going to talk on Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. I'm giving you a bit of a spoiler alert because I'm going to tell you the whole story because we're not going to read the whole passage. Um, the whole passage is Luke 11 um, verses 1 to 44 and I figured you might want to get home tonight. Um, I encourage you to read it at your leisure, <laughs> um, but today we're going to deep dive into verses 32 to 35, as Bex read for us earlier. But the overview of the story is about a family, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Um, in, in the story, Jesus talks of affection and love for them. He had relationship with them. Mary and Martha, we've kind of, for those of you who have been around scripture, you, you've probably heard of them. Martha gets quite a harsh rap, in my opinion. <laughs> um, and Mary is the one who anointed Jesus' feet with her hair. It was like a lavish act of worship. Um, Lazarus fell ill. And Jesus, in, back in those days, we didn't, they didn't have phones. So it wasn't like a text message going, he's not very well. Um, but there was a real communal kind of sense, and someone would have been sent to tell Jesus, who was off ministering in another city, um, that Lazarus was ill. 
And this is where the story gets a little bit interesting because Jesus was told and we know that he had real affection. We know that he had real love for this family. But then he delays in going to them. So he doesn't, he doesn't respond in that moment. Um, and a few days later, he then turns around to the disciples and, was, and is like, okay, it's time for us to go now. Let's, let's go see Lazarus. But he also, within his interactions, then tells them that Lazarus is dead. And Jesus clearly states at a couple of different times that he's going to raise him from the dead for God's glory. He goes, and he goes back to the city and Mary and Martha are there and they have like these amazing interactions of um, them like sharing their faith that they had in Jesus but also mixed with the emotion of their, their brothers just passed away. Um, they like have a discussion about his ability and the fact that he, if he was there, his love would have changed the situation. This is a little bit mind-blowing to me because this is even before the cross. But they seem to have this concept of resurrection of their brother. Um, but they're talking about kind of when, when the Messiah returns that there will be a full resurrection. But they seem to have this kind of revelation already. They then, like a whole mob of them, go down to the tomb. Um, I've lived overseas um, in, an African, in an African culture. And like this takes me back to those moments of like a, a communal element where someone's passed away and the whole village knows about it. Everybody knows, everybody's there. Um, and so everybody would have gone down to the tomb with Jesus. And at this point, the body's been in a tomb for four days. There's no refrigeration, there's no, you know, any of that kind of thing. Um, and Jesus then tells them, roll away the stone. And Jesus simply just calls to him, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus was res resurrected. Amazing. <laughs> um, so this story has always fascinated me, and maybe not for the, for the reasons that we first sort of expect, but what it shows us about the heart of Jesus. And it, it, I think it's John 14, uh, John 14 talk, Jesus mentions that if you've seen him, you've seen the Father. And so when we're thinking about the Father heart of compassion, we have to realize that in this story, we're seeing a demonstration of Jesus being compassionate. But we also have to understand that that's teaching us something of the Father heart of God. So maybe it's not the obvious part, the miraculous power of Jesus, that, that Lazarus was four days dead and then raised to life. I do pray the miraculous part of this story touches and stirs our hearts today. But <laughs> the part that perplexes me at this moment is Jesus' response and what he does. He responds with a mixture of compassion and wild faith that blows my mind. I really believe the Bible is God's word and it is true. And I believe that he was raised from the dead. I've had the privilege in my life of seeing some really crazy miracles. Um, one of my best friends was healed of breast cancer. Um, God gave her a date, and on that date, her tumor miraculously disappeared. Um, I've seen God give someone who was blind brand new eyes in front of my face. Um, I've ministered to women 
who this world would call broken would write them off, that they are trauma, they've got ACE scores, they've got all of these things. And I've seen people be restored and changed into some of the most passionate contributors of their communities. But Jesus responds in this story, in those verses, with compassion and wild faith. It says in those verses that Bex read that Jesus was deeply moved, that he was troubled and he wept. This is just mind-blowing to me. Jesus knew the end of the story. (laughs) He knew he was just about to roll away the stone. He knew that he was going to raise him from the dead. He knew that there would be the miraculous, amazing story. He knew that he was going to take away the community's suffering. He knew he was going to give the answer of prayer to his friends. But Jesus chose to enter into their suffering. He chose compassion. I think this is supposed to teach us something about God. I think it's supposed to teach us something about God's heart. I think it's supposed to teach us something about who the Father is. And I think it's supposed to teach us about what it means as followers and imitators of him. I want you to take a moment now to just ask yourself, what what moves me? What stirs up deep compassion within me? Jesus didn't just kind of stand there and, and give a little rhetoric. He chose to enter in to weeping, even though he knew an answer was coming. What moves in you? I think we have to move in both compassion and faith. This is something that, again, strikes me about this story, that Jesus chose compassion, but he also chose wild faith. He raised someone from the dead. I don't know about many of you, but that hasn't been my day today. Um, And I think that the joining of these two things in this story is powerful. I think we need to have both compassion and faith. Compassion without faith can be a dark place. (laughs) I think it can lead to burnout. I think it can lead to a place where things are really hard. And faith without compassion, I don't believe that represents the heart of Jesus. So my story, for years now, I've had the privilege of serving women on the streets. I started in an outreach context, ministering every Friday night, come rain or shine, (laughs) in the red light area, in the area that I used to live. I got to pray and love and serve the women that are involved with survival sex. For those of you who have grown up in Christian homes, you might understand this reference. If not, I didn't, so it took me a minute, but those of you who do, um, have you ever heard of Eric Liddell? So he is, um, there was a film made about him, Chariots of Fire. Again, if you grew up in Christian homes, it was probably like your Sunday night. Um, I won't spoil the story in case you want to go and watch it. Um, But Eric Liddell was from like a missionary family um, and he became an Olympic runner. Um, And his Christian ethics ended up impacting culture around him. One of Eric's... um, like famous quotes, was he said, I believe God made me for purpose, but also he made me fast. And when I run, I feel God's pleasure. 
I remember when I first heard that quote, and I was saying to God, that is exactly how I feel when I'm on outreach with the women. Since then, I have served, I have had many more encounters with God about this, and I'm still serving the women. He once told me that this is where his father heart and mine cross over. In the natural, it's, I've been in some of the darkest places I could be. Even this week in Sheffield, I was in some places that you wouldn't believe exist in this, in this city. But in these places, I feel some of the closest to God's heart of compassion that I possibly could. This week alone, for me, has been a lot. <laughs> True pre preparation for preaching. Um, I have cried a lot this week with situations that our women face. I nearly said to Sam, I nearly messaged Sam saying, I've got nothing to say, I, don't, like, I haven't prepared anything, I haven't done anything, I don't know what I'm going to bring. Um, but in this story, I'm reminded that that's actually okay. <laughs> I'm reminded that it's really okay to have compassion. I'm reminded it's really okay to not know what to say. And it's really okay after years of doing ministry that actually sometimes the loss and the brokenness of what this world looks like is a lot. But we get to respond in such love and compassion and faith. Now for all of you, you have a part to play. We all have different roles. We all have different functions. Sometimes why I don't enjoy like sharing stories from the front about what I do is because people go, well, that's you over there and I you know, can't connect with that in, in yourself. It's not true. <laughs> we are all made by the most amazing God and we just get to say yes to him. In scripture, there's such a clear mandate from God that we, we are people to contribute with faith and compassion to injustice in this world. As the people of God, we're supposed to reflect his heart on all of these things. This is probably one of the reasons it took me so long to decide what to share on today. Um, but I just I kind of flipped through scripture around some of the stuff that the Bible talks about that people and his followers should be a part of. Now, some of these things have a real context around them, so I'm aware I'm literally just flipping out kind of <laughs> maybe some things that don't make sense, but I'm, but I'm going to go there. <laughs> um, because I, I want to make the point that, yes, I get to share it, I get to do this stuff in this way, but actually for each and every single one of you, there will be different things that you get to put your hand to. There will be different things that you get to pray for. There will be different things that you get to contribute to. But as I read this list out, I pray that God would speak to your heart. The Bible really clearly talks about oppression, poverty, feeding the hungry, clothing people, show hospitality to those in need, justice, the fatherless, slavery, widows. Jesus chose to spend time with sinners and tax collectors, to defend the needy and the afflicted, to mourn with those who mourn the broken, refugees, children, those who don't have peace. I'd like you to take a minute now to turn to your neighbor. And I mean, yeah, if you want to, maybe just do this with you and God. But if not, turn to your neighbor. And I just want to ask you what kind of resonates with you.
what would you add to that list if you knew that you have a heart for that God has given you? So I think in terms of this subject, as I say, when I was preparing, I really felt like God say, this is for a lot of people. This isn't for the superstars. It's not for the ones and twos. Um, but it's actually for him to cultivate something in each of us. And if you don't know what the answer to some of those questions are right now, that's okay. <laughs> um, I, I felt like there was kind of a response of several groups of people. And so um, we will create some time for people to come forward for prayer if they want to. Um, but I also wanted to say that some of this stuff isn't just a kind of, oh, I'm at church on Sunday and this is all going to stir up and then I'm going to go home and move on with my you know, week. Um, but especially for those of you who are STC is your home, um, we are kicking off the week of prayer. And I just think it is actually a really amazing opportunity. Maybe if you don't know some of these answers, maybe book a bit of a slot and, and spend some time with God. And, and wrestle with him over what he is saying to you. Um, for the response time, I felt like there were five different groups of people. Um, so I felt like there was people who are stirred by what I've shared today, are stirred by Jesus's heart of compassion, but go, I genuinely don't know what that means in my life. I don't know what that looks like. And I think it's an opportunity tonight for you to bring that to him and share that with him. I think there's a second group of people who are terrified <laughs> and go, I don't, I don't want to say yes to you or I'm, I'm fearful of saying yes to you because I'm fearful of what that could mean in my life. And I think this story is Jesus of compassion. <laughs> he chose to enter in in compassion in a moment where he could have been super spiritual and moved on, and he chose to respond to people in compassion, and I believe that's what this space is for. I also thought there was a group of people who, um, who are being repositioned, so it may well be that you go, actually, once upon a time, or I've given, I've given my life so far to this, but actually there's a repositioning for you, and God is changing your focus and your attention. I felt like there was a group of people who are in where they're supposed to be and they know it, but they need refilling. This stuff can be hard, <laughs> this stuff can be challenging, and we need to be filled by the Holy Spirit to see his works. And then I also believe that there's a group of people that God just wants to say well done over you, that he just wants to look you as a compassionate father in the face and just say well done for where you're serving, well done for what you're doing. <laughs>